Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. This is Radio Pre-Mormon on the air broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode, Gen Camp files. No, Gen Camp tries to get RFM disbarred. Yes, RFM, me. Gen Camp tries to get me disbarred. I almost started by saying Gen Camp files a bar complaint against RFM because that was the original title for this show. But a lot's been going on behind the scenes here for the past two months at Radio Pre-Mormon. And now is as good a time as any to catch you up on what's been going on with Jen Camp and her efforts to get me disbarred. Now, I have certainly been obtaining public records and videos and audios relating to Jen Camp and uh, her departure from the Open Stories Foundation, Mormon Stories. And I feel like I've reported on it a few times and that I'm doing it as a journalist, right? I'm really not putting a lot of commentary into it. But regardless of that, it appears that Jen Camp has taken umbrage at this and she filed a bar complaint against me with the bar in the state of Washington where I practice law. Now, I still do have some clients that I represent. It is a long procedure to go from being a full-time attorney to being a full-time podcaster. I have not taken any new clients since the summer of 2022. By the way, today is 9-9 or September 9th, 2023. So it's been over a year, but I still have a handful of clients that I am representing. So I am still under the governance of the State Bar Association and their Office of Disciplinary Counsel. Well, on July 3rd of this year, 2023, just a little bit over two months ago, Jen Camp filed a bar complaint against me, as I've said. I did not find out about this until a week later. July 3rd was a Monday, and it was the Monday between Sunday and July 4th, Independence Day, a holiday. So it was in that one day. The Bar Association didn't get on it until a week later. Then they emailed it to me to let me know about this bar complaint. And I also want to let you know something, because Jen Camp is very concerned that I am broadcasting private things when I can assure you I'm not broadcasting anything, and I have not broadcasted anything that was private, only those things that are in public domain or public information. I also want you to know that under the rules of the Bar Association, everything that's in this bar complaint is mine to share, okay? The only exception is if there is a, a court order or a bar attorney order that says that it's confidential and it can't be shared. There's been no such order requested in this case. There's been no such order entered in this case. So the general rule applies, which is under the heading release or disclosure of otherwise confidential information, sub A, which is the general rule, disclosure of information is how it's titled, except as prohibited by rule 3.2E, that's the court order exception I mentioned before, court order or other law, the grievant, that's Jen Camp, Respondent lawyer, respondent lawyer, that's me, or any witness may disclose any information in their possession regarding a disciplinary matter. Well, this information is in my possession and I'm going to be disclosing it on tonight's program. Okay, I'll put that over there for now. So this is going to take a while to get through. I want to do it as quickly as possible, but hopefully um, be as explanatory as possible so you can understand what's going on. So here is, let me go to, oh, by the way, this is the first time I'm trying to do video. And I've had some help from a wonderful friend to show me how to do it, to run me through it. 
And it's going to definitely be bumpy. I'm the only person here. Nobody else is behind the scene. There's no Maven back there running things for me. I wish you were. But I've got to try and spread my wings and jump out of this nest and see if I can fly or if I fall to the ground. We'll see how it goes. I just asked for your, your, um, your understanding. So this is me completely. Let me go to this screen. There we go. All right. So here is the, the grievance filed against me. That's what it's called. Grievance against the lawyer. It's on the form provided by the Washington State Bar Association. It's filed by Jennifer Ruth Kemp. By the way, there's a lot of redactions throughout this, which I went through and did it by hand with a big black Sharpie because I have redacted personal information about uh, Jen Camp, which means her address, her phone number, he, her email address. You can see I've redacted that. I've also redacted my name when she uses it, and she uses it a lot. So let's go over here and let's look at what her grievance says. Explain your grievance in your own words. Give all important dates, times, and places. Here we go. And this is very short, by the way. It basically is just this page and a, a couple of sentences on the next page. And unfortunately, Jen launches into this complaint as if the person who's reading it is going to understand all the background information. I think that's unlikely. So here, here's how she frames it. Under oath, John DeLynn, RFM's friend, stated that RFM went onto the Utah lawsuit website and downloaded slash screen recorded a video that was put into evidence in a lawsuit his friend John DeLynn has against me. See, or sort of jumps in the middle. It's very confusing. I am currently countersuing and deny all allegations against me. RFM downloaded the video, the one piece of evidence off the state lawsuit website, and then reposted the private video, which he puts in all caps, from the lawsuit evidence onto his YouTube channel, where he listed the video as a fundraiser, again, all caps, and it's making thousands of dollars off the video. This video also has private, all caps, information about my minor child, my other children, my parents, and even also has private information about, and also states within it, forgive me, and also states within it that I was sexually abused as a child by my religious leaders. He has this video to this day listed publicly making money that he is keeping. What kind of lawyer does this? This has harmed me and my family to a degree we have never felt before. It is the most unethical act I have ever witnessed a man doing to a woman who has already been already been abused and harmed by men in power. Okay, hang on a second. I have to mute myself. I have to cough. Excuse me. Okay. She goes on. He has made thousands upon thousands of dollars as of the date I am sending you this and harmed me and my family in ways I do not have the room to stay here. Second page, I need quick and immediate action toward him and the harm he is inflicting upon me and my family. What state would allow this? Here is a link to his YouTube with my private video and the money he continues to make off my abuse. She gives the link. She closes it, not sincerely or best regards, but rather, please help me. Jennifer Camp, then I redact her personal information. She attaches no files to this grievance. She does, however, have to check the affirmation, which is I affirm that the information I am providing is true and correct or accurate to the best of my knowledge. I have read Lawyer Discipline in Washington, a pamphlet, and I understand that all information that I submit can be disclosed to the lawyer I am complaining about and others. Well, you're the others. 
apparently. Okay. So that's her initial uh, grievance against it. Now, here is the cover letter that comes to me from the Washington State Bar Association. This is all by email with the grievance as well. But this is their cover letter to me. The first part of it has to do with their acknowledgement that they have received a grievance from Jen Camp against me. And there's information to the grievant, which is to Jen Camp. There's also information to me, which is the lawyer. This is boilerplate. And I have 30 days in which to file a preliminary response to the Washington State Bar Association. So I start getting to work on that. And I don't want to wait the full 30 days. I don't like waiting to the very last minute to do something. So I try and get it done in advance. And I get it done in about 10 days or so. What I'm unaware of is that at the same time, Jen Camp is working on more information that she's going to give to the bar. So there's a strange situation where she sends her more information to the bar at about the same time that I'm getting ready to snail mail my response to the bar. And they sort of cross. So instead of getting to my preliminary response first, what actually ends up happening chronologically, and all of this is chronological, is this additional information from Jen Camp, to which I don't respond, probably for the best. But then they get my, my written preliminary response. So here we go to the information that Jen Camp provided. I'm sorry, this is the second letter from the Washington State Bar Association, which tells me that they have received additional information from Jen Camp and that they are forwarding it on to me. So here's the additional information, which she sent them by email on July 18th, I think it was. Hang on a second here. Yeah, it's still showing. I'm just double checking to make sure it's showing on the screen. Everything looks to be good. Believe it or not, I recorded for 40 minutes this morning, and then I realized that I'd goofed something up, and I had no idea when I had goofed it up, so I had to go back and start over again, trying to make sure that doesn't happen again. Okay, July 18th. Further evidence of RFM, this is Jen Camp to the Bar Association, further evidence of RFM lying for his friend and using his lawyer status to smear my name and abuse and harm me and my family further. The same friend that stated under oath that he did not give the video to RFM, but that RFM must have downloaded it from the lawyer evidence site of the Utah courts. Evidence attached is him using his lawyer status to claim victory for his friend without the trial taking place and lying about my attorney and myself. So th these are some pretty big allegations she's made against me. Let's see if she can support these with some facts. November 16th, 2022. I think that was the day when there was a certain thread going on at Reddit. I'm sure it was ex-Mormon Reddit. I think it was. And I weighed in because here's what happened. Jen Camp gets fired. She goes, creates her own podcast, and then she starts using that podcast to air publicly defamatory statements about John DeLynn and the circumstances under which it was that she left. Open stories. Hang on another second. Excuse me. Okay. And then there was a Reddit thread about it. And I had come on and I made a few comments. Because I'm privy to having seen a lot of the evidence. And what Jen had been doing is she had just been making all these allegations, allegations, allegations without presenting any evidence in support of it. And that was a lot of what the discussion was going on on this ex-Mormon Reddit thread. So 
Oh, excuse me. I'll go ahead and explain this. Yeah, she puts a screenshot of a time ages ago, even before I was Radio Free Mormon when I appeared on the Cultural Hall. There's my picture, a little bit about me. Next page. We have some comments that I made that she has put onto this document that are completely out of any context. And I think this first one where I said, would that be the attorney who just fired her? There was some comment about her attorney or something. And I had said, would that be the attorney who just fired her? Now, I was under the belief that her attorney had fired her. And I'm still not sure that that was incorrect. But there's a reason for it. And I'm not going to go into it now, okay? It's not something that I, I was told. It's something that I observed. Let me put it to you this way. This defamatory video that Jen Camp put up about John DeLynn was up for a period of time and it generated a lot of controversy. And then all of a sudden it was taken down without any comments or notice or explanation. And I thought, okay, that's because her attorney told her, take that stupid thing down because you're not helping the lawsuit. You're hurting the lawsuit as any attorney would tell her, any attorney worth his salt or her salt. So that told me that there was an attorney involved who said, stop it. Now, about three weeks later, I can't remember the period of time. It was another period of time. All of a sudden, that same video gets reposted. And I thought, okay, well, that means either her attorney fired her or her attorney's going to fire her in short order for putting it back up. The only reason she would put it up after being told by her attorney to take it down is because her attorney fired her. That made sense to me. So I said that, would that be the attorney who just fired her? And then there's another decontextualized comment on the same thread where I said, Jen Camp has to make, has to make as much hay as she can before the evidence comes out. Remember, she's just making all these allegations. And I said, she has to make as much hay as she can before the evidence comes out. There is a great deal of documentary evidence that will demonstrate she is being disingenuous and hasn't a leg to stand on. I have reviewed it. I expect nobody to take my word for it. But remember, you heard it here first. Until then, Jen has only innuendo to rely on. Go, Jen, go. And then there's another comment I made. Apparently, someone had pushed back on me saying that I was assuming this, that Jen Camp did not have a good case. And I responded, it is not an assumption. It is my considered legal opinion. After carefully reviewing the mountain of hard evidence in this case, I take no one's word for anything. I am interested only in the facts and how they stack up against Ms. Camp's claims. And the fact is, the hard evidence contradicts Ms. Camp's claims on every front. Again, I ask nobody to take my word for it. I believe that once the facts become known, you will better understand why this is my position. Now, some of those facts have become known now. Some of those facts include the entire recording of the board meeting between Jen Camp, John DeLynn, and the other two board members, Clint and Carrie, I think their names are, hour and 45 minutes, which I obtained once it was public record and then put up so that everybody could see what really happened. Because a lot of the claims and allegations that Jen was making had to do with what happened during the board meeting. And when you can look at the board meeting and compare it with her allegations, you go, wait a second, this doesn't match. She's saying things happened in this board meeting that didn't happen in the board meeting. So that was one of the things that she did not want to be made public. And I think it's the main reason why it is that she's so upset and wanting me to get disbarred over it. 
The other piece of information was the entire audio of the anti-stalking petition hearing that Jen Camp filed against John DeLynn earlier this year in March. And I was able through FOIA request to obtain that from the clerk of the court. And once I obtained it, that means it's by definition public, okay? If you obtain something by a public disclosure request, it's because it's been considered public and I can do with it whatever I want because it is public. So I posted it with no commentary, by the way. There was no commentary that I put on the board meeting video. There was no comment that I put on the um, the hearing, the four-hour hearing for the anti-stalking order, except uh, maybe just to introduce it and say, you know, testing one, two, three, et cetera. But this was something where I've tried to make it very, very clean, very devoid of commentary as much as I can in order to just be the journalist who's reporting what it is that happened and let people make their own decisions, which I think is important. Okay. So now let's go to the next thing. Okay. Now Jen is going to supply her, the bar association and me, and now you with texts between Jen and her lawyer, or at least her lawyer at the time. I don't know that this is her lawyer still. In fact, I think he's not. And she titles it texts with lawyer stating RFM is lying. I, it's an interesting description because the lawyer never says that, but this is how she titles it. Text with lawyer stating RFM is lying and will contact their lawyer for retraction from RFM. Retraction never given. Okay, I don't know why her lawyer would contact OSF's lawyer to have me stop talking because I'm not even part of that circle. But I received no retraction letter. It's probably because she never provided any lies that I told her, at least none that her attorney, Christopher Snow, thought were important enough. Okay, so here's the text. Yes, this is Jen. Yes, John's fellow podcast friend, Radio Free Mormon. He is a lawyer in Oregon or California, something like that. Her lawyer says, do you know his real name? She says he is the one posting all over social media and his podcast about me. The lawyer says, I can tell their lawyer to instruct him to take it down. And then she says, blank or blank, because she can't even remember my name. She says, I'm trying to find it. The lawyer says, I never said I was firing you, obviously. That's spin, and lawyers don't fire clients. Of course they fire clients. It's when you're done with a client and the, the representation isn't concluded, but whatever's happened, which could be a number of things, you can fire a client. That's what it's called. You withdraw from representing them. In my neck of the woods, we call that firing a client. In fact, a few weeks ago, I withdrew from representing a certain client of mine and who's no longer a client of mine. And I remember with this in my mind, going to lunch and seeing another attorney there who I hadn't seen in a while. And his name's Jason. I said, hey, Jason, how you doing? He says, hey, I'm good. How are you? And I said, I'm great. I just fired a client this morning. And Jason doesn't say, firing a client? What do you mean? I've never heard this term before. What is this firing a client of which you speak? No, he says, oh, doesn't that feel good to fire a client? I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. So at least in my neck of the woods, firing a client is something that does exist, even though in this text message, lawyer Christopher Snow, which is apparently how Jen has his name in her cell phone, has to say, okay, 
He says, I never said I was firing you, obviously. That's spin, and lawyers don't fire clients. Well, yeah, they do, at least around here. Okay. And then it goes on. Jen, to her lawyer, I figured that is what you said. He is making my life pretty difficult in our sphere. It's pretty shitty to be the one who didn't do anything and then have your name ruined. But it was just ruined, that's all. Next one. He now runs Mormonism Live under the name Radio Free Mormon. That was Jen to her lawyer. Now her lawyer asks her the most interesting question. I have not been able to figure out yet why he asks her this question. But the question he asks her about me is, is he active Mormon? Why does her lawyer ask her whether I'm active Mormon? Now the answer is from her, not now, post-Mormon, John DeLynn's wingman. I don't know why he asked if I'm an active Mormon. And I don't know what his response would have been if she had said that I was an active Mormon. Would his follow-up question have been, what ward does he go to and what's the name of his bishop? I got no idea. Maybe it was just idle curiosity because unless it's idle curiosity, that question looks really, really strange. But going on. Her lawyer says, send a list of any lies he's made online and I can send a retraction demand. Okay, so now she's going to show all the lies. And she says, as far as other podcasters in the space go, I think she was cross-texting with him there. And she says, okay, I'll see if I can screenshot them for you. And then there's these three images, which may have been screenshots. I expect they're the screenshots we've seen before from the Reddit thread. This is the way they came to me. Um, just say, saying there's an image there. And then she says, John and him, ooch, John and him are presenting this evidence in closed Facebook groups and going around to other, and then there's nothing. Okay, so that's what she shows to the Bar Association, the texting between her and her attorney at the time. I don't think he's her attorney anymore. I think she's gone through a few of them. She says, I have further evidence if it is needed. Hang on just a second. Sorry, I got to cough again. Here we go. So I have further evidence if, it says of, uh, but I think it's supposed to be if, if it is needed. RFM has harmed and mentally abused me with his narrative and posting of my very private board meeting and discussion of child sexual abuse. He has caused harm to my family and extended family and has caused physical injury to my bod body. Wait a second. And has caused physical injury to my body from stress and anxiety placed upon me by his actions. Please contact me if further information is needed. I also have a recording of the court. This must be the, the stalking hearing, the anti-stalking hearing. I also have a recording of the court where his friend said he did not give him the evidence, that it was placed as evidence in his case, and that RFM could only have downloaded it from the lawyer access site. He then used this download to upload the very private video and make money off of his upload of my private board meeting with his unfounded narrative. See, it seems to be the board meeting that's really driving this. I am shattered by his unethical treatment of me and the judicial system, especially as a practicing lawyer in the state of Washington. Please let me know if you need further information. So she has sent that now to the Bar Association, and as I say, she was sending that to them at the same time I am mailing to them my preliminary response. 
Okay, that's just the last page of the email. Nothing substantive in that. Now we get to my preliminary response. July 19th, 2023. To whom it may concern, this grievance, or excuse me, the grievance has nothing to do with the practice of law. I want to make that clear up front because almost like always when you get a complaint or a grievance filed against you, and I've certainly had my share, I would say that most lawyers would say, or many lawyers would say that uh, you're not really a lawyer until you get your first bar complaint. It's kind of like the old saw about how you're not really a cowboy until you've fallen off a horse at least once. But these happen from time to time. I may have had half a dozen. None of them have stuck. None of them have gone anywhere. None of them have resulted in any kind of discipline. But they've all been dismissed eventually. I'm not going to tell you what happened with this one until we get to the end and want to keep that suspense going. So if you stick with me to the end, you'll find out what it was that happened with this. I would also say that um, the two kinds of attorneys who are the most likely to get a bar complaint and most frequently do get bar complaints are criminal defense attorneys, hello, and divorce attorneys. Because at the end of the case, sometimes the client is not happy with the result and frequently seeks to take it out on their lawyer. They blame their lawyer, they file a bar complaint against them, and that's how these things typically go. Sometimes they have merit, sometimes they don't. So far, none of them have had any merit against me. So I want to make it clear. This grievance has nothing to do with the practice of law by Mr. RFM. Ms. Jennifer Ruth Camp has never at any time been a client of Mr. RFM. And there I'm deleting uh, or redacting the name. Radio Free Mormon is a news agency protected by the First Amendment is the next section. Radio Free Mormon, RFM, is a podcast in its seventh year of production, which reports news and analysis on issues of interest to the Mormon and post-Mormon community. As a news and reporting entity, RFM is entitled to all First Amendment protections relating to freedom of speech as well as freedom of the press. Examples of prior instances of news and reporting by RFM are provided below. A. RFM did a multi-part series digging into allegations that the president of the Missionary Training Center in Provo, Utah, raped a sister missionary. This investigation by RFM involved a protracted battle with the Provo Police Department to obtain unredacted copies of police reports by FOIA request. And RFM ultimately obtained and shared publicly a copy of the videotaped interview of the suspect. B. RFM has done multiple episodes dealing with the suspicious death of a two-year-old in Florida who was the grandson of a prominent church leader. The reason this was of interest to the Mormon and post-Mormon community is because the prominent church leader had mentioned this incident publicly in several church talks in ways that ended up being inconsistent with the police reports. RFM obtained by FOIA requests the police reports from Florida, as well as the videotaped interviews of the two primary suspects. RFM shared all this with his audience. C. RFM did an episode relating to an LDS mission president in Puerto Rico who was released early from his calling and alleg amid allegations of sexual improprieties with sister missionaries under his care and control. So those are three good instances of how not only do I do commentary on Mormonism, but I also function as a journalistic news agency, investigative journalism. And therefore, freedom of the press applies as well as freedom of speech. Next section, background relating to Ms. Jennifer Camp and Mr. John DeLynn. Wouldn't be great to know 
some background so that the Bar Association can understand what the heck is going on. All right, John DeLynn is the most famous and successful podcaster in the post-Mormon community and is the host of Mormon Stories podcast located in Utah. Ms. Camp worked for Mormon Stories for around eight months in 2022 and was ultimately fired from her position in September of 2022 when it was discovered by the board of directors that she was making false and defamatory accusations against Mr. DeLynn. Ms. Camp arranged the board meeting on August 30th, 2022, to make a grievance against Mr. DeLynn involving allegations of non-sexual but harassing conduct. Ms. Camp said occurred in a one-on-one -on -one meeting between her and Mr. DeLynn five days earlier, five days earlier, excuse me, on August 25th, 2022. After the board meeting had concluded, the board of directors was able to review a video recording of the entire interaction between Ms. Camp and Mr. DeLynn at the one-on-one -on -one August 25th, 2022 meeting. Upon reviewing the recording, the board of directors discovered that Ms. Camp had made false and defamatory accusations against Mr. DeLynn that did not occur during their one-on-one -on -one meeting. As a result, the board of directors fired Ms. Camp from her position with Mormon Stories. After being fired, Ms. Camp began making accusations of sexual harassment against Mr. DeLynn, accusations she had never made at any point prior to her being fired, an accusation she never made during the one-hour and 45-minute board meeting on August 30th, 2022, which board meeting she called for specifically to air her grievances against Mr. DeLynn. To be clear, it is this video of the board meeting of which Ms. Camp complains in her grievance. Next section, Ms. Camp files lawsuit against Mr. DeLynn and the board of directors. After being fired for Mormon stories, Ms. Camp created her own podcast, Our Truth Be Told, which in addition to interviewing guests, she also used to publicly air her grievances against Mr. DeLynn. On January 17th, 2023, Ms. Camp filed a lawsuit against Mr. DeLynn and members of the board of directors in Utah. She then went on her podcast to publicly share all the allegations she had made in her lawsuit against John DeLynn. Incredibly, Ms. Camp also stated on her podcast she was not going to serve Mr. DeLynn with her lawsuit because she did not want to prosecute her case, but wanted it to simply serve as a testament of some sort as to the alleged bad acts of Mr. DeLynn. Mr. DeLynn and the board ultimately ended up filing a countersuit against Ms. Camp on February 7th, 2023, and that matter is proceeding through the litigation process in Utah. Mr. Board, excuse me, Mr. Board, Mr. DeLynn and the board filed with the Utah court as part of their countersuit a link to the board meeting on August 30th, 2022. This link was filed publicly and was therefore in the public domain. Okay, and that's where I got it from. And I did not share it or publish it until it had been made public by being filed as part of a lawsuit and thereby being made public. Okay, I want to mention something here because Jen's going to come back to this over and over again. One of the big lies that she thinks that I told or at least once she repeats often, has to do with my calling John DeLynn's lawsuit against her a countersuit. So let me take some time to explain that. I hint at it here, and I have talked about it before, but not in detail. And the reason why is because it's so incredibly complicated, it 
makes its own story over here when I'm just trying to tell this story over here. So I'm trying to tell this part of the story as cleanly and as simply as possible. I'll go, I'll break that rule right now. So what happened is that on January 17th, when Jen Camp files her lawsuit against John DeLynn and Open Stories Foundation, she files it in the wrong court. And I don't just mean the wrong court building. I mean the wrong entire court system. She doesn't, she's not represented by an attorney at the time. There's nothing, you know, there's no legal, um, letterhead there's no footer there's no signed by a lawyer it's just her filing this lawsuit and she files it in federal court this is not a federal court case federal court does not have jurisdiction over this case state court has jurisdiction over this case so she files it in federal court she ends up talking about it publicly on her podcast and then she says that she's not going to have john delin served with it okay now, what that means to me as a lawyer is that she's abusing the judicial system. You, There's a judicial system there for a reason, right? And that's if you've got a claim and you want to pursue it against somebody, you can file it, have them served, and go on and litigate it. It is not like your own personal bulletin board where you can go file a lawsuit and not intend to pursue it. Judges don't like that, okay? If you got a case, absolutely, they're there for you. Let's let's move it through. But to file something and then to not pursue it, that would generally be frowned upon. In fact, that would generally be looked at as evidence that the case was not filed in good faith. So that's why I think that's remarkable. But now John DeLynn, because she has not only filed it, she has made it totally public that she's filed it and the contents of it and all the defamatory statements that are in it, John DeLynn and OSF, they can't file a counterclaim against her. Let me tell you what a counterclaim is real quick. A counterclaim is if Jen files a lawsuit against OSF and then OSF wants to make their own accusations against her, they can within the same lawsuit file a counterclaim against her. Everything proceeds to trial, both Jen Camp's original claims and OSF's counterclaims, and then the jury has to make of it what they will. John DeLynn and OSF can't file a counterclaim against her because her lawsuit is in the wrong court. Her lawsuit is in a court that doesn't have any jurisdiction. So why would you go and file a counterclaim against a petition that's been filed in the wrong court? That's a counterclaim. A countersuit sounds similar, but it's not as specific. So what John DeLynn and OSF did was they filed a complaint against Jen Camp, but they did it in state court, which is where it is properly brought. And they they filed an original action in state court against Jen Camp as a way of responding to her misfiling of the matter in federal court and then her broadcasting it on her YouTube channel. I hope that makes sense. Now, you can see how complicated this is. And maybe you can understand why it was that I simply decided to say that John Camp and OSF filed a counter suit against Jen Camp's original claim. Instead of going through all this detail, <laughs> which can be mind numbing, and explain everything and then say, John, she filed a lawsuit against John DeLynn and OSF, and then John DeLynn and OSF filed a lawsuit against her in a different court system. Okay. But it does put Jen Camp in the position of being the defendant in the case that's in the right court that was filed by OSF and John Dillon. 
And so then she is in a position where she can, or she has the ability to file counterclaims against John DeLynn and OSF, okay? So I hope that makes sense now. And I only go to that much detail because she's going to really, really uh, mention this a number of times and how I'm apparently lying by characterizing the OSF suit against her as a countersuit as opposed to um, an original action. Yeah, this is this is one of the, the lies that I tell. Okay, so where was I? I think it was at the bottom of this page. Mr. DeLynn and the board filed with the Utah court as part of their countersuit a link to the board meeting of August 30th, 2022. This link was filed publicly and was therefore in the public domain. Right. Two days later, on February 9th, 2023, a copy of the board meeting video was posted at Mormon Discussions, Inc., the parent company of multiple podcasts, including RFM. In her grievance, Ms. Camp incorrectly states twice. By the way, of course, the importance of that last sentence is that it wasn't posted publicly until two days after it had been made public by being filed with the lawsuit. Okay. In her grievance, Ms. Camp incorrectly states twice in all capital letters that this was a private video. Whatever Ms. Camp's personal opinions regarding the board meeting video, it was not private as of the date it was published at Mormon Discussions, Inc. Ms. Camp is also incorrect in her allegation that RFM is making thousands of dollars off the video. She may be mis mistaking a generic fundraising amount that is posted with all podcasts produced under the Mormon Discussions, Inc. label, of which RFM is just one. Okay. So, Ms. Camp files restraining order petition against Mr. DeLynn in Utah. So, remember, there's not only the civil lawsuit that I've described, but then Jen goes and files for a anti-stalking petition against John DeLynn. One week after Mr. DeLynn and the board filed their countersuit, Ms. Camp went to the 3rd Judicial District Court for the state of Utah and obtained an ex-party temporary restraining order against Mr. DeLynn. Mr. DeLynn demanded a hearing on the issue, which hearing was held March 7, 2023. Both sides were represented and the hearing took around four hours. Talk about long-form comment. Uh, talk about long-form content. At the conclusion of the hearing, Judge Coral Sanchez revoked the temporary order concluding that Ms. Camp did not meet her burden of demonstrating that stalking by Mr. DeLynn had occurred. See 13-page order by Judge Coral Sanchez dated March 7, 2023, a true and correct copy of which is attached here too as Exhibit A and incorporated by reference. I'm going to have to cough again, excuse me. Okay. And I do attach that. I'm not going to read through it. I already read through it once on a prior podcast with a minimal, if any, amount of commentary. Okay. Ms. Camp has talked previously about her alleged child sex abuse. Ah, in her grievance, Ms. Camp claims that the published board video even states within it that I was sexually abused as a child by my religious leaders, quote unquote, as if this is somehow newly disclosed information. Ms. Camp brought the same accusation against Mr. DeLynn as part of her restraining order hearing on March 7th, 2023, i.e. that Mr. DeLynn had outed her child sex abuse victim status without her consent. The order attached as Exhibit A addresses these very claims made by Ms. Camp against Mr. DeLynn, 
which occurred while Ms. Camp was still employed with the Mormon stories, with Mormon stories, and demonstrates that Judge Sanchez did not believe Mr. DeLynn disclosed this information without the consent of Ms. Camp. So here I quote from the order, excuse me. Part of the thing that's happening with this slideshow is I go to um, scroll down like I would with a different kind of document. And as soon as I scroll once, it changes the page. So I apologize. I have to learn to keep the entire page up until I'm at the bottom and not try and scroll it up until I get there. Okay, so this is from the judge's order. Approximately in June or July 2022, Ms. Camp and respondent Mr. DeLynn agreed to have Ms. Camp conduct her own podcast with a group of guests. The podcast was recorded. The podcast had a total of four women participating and was focused on female body autonomy. Excuse me. During the podcast, petitioner Ms. Camp shared the details of sexual abuse they experienced as children. The other podcast participants also shared the details of traumatic events of abuse they experienced. Two days later, on February 9, 2023, a copy of the board meeting video was posted at Mormon Discussions, Inc., the parent company. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Please bear with me. I thought it had switched to another page, but it hadn't. Okay. So once again, going from the order. The other podcast participants also shared the details of traumatic events of abuse they experienced. Here we go. Mr. DeLynn did not listen to the entire podcast as it was being recorded, but periodically checked in to make sure that there were no technical issues with the recording. This is what the judge is writing in her order as her findings of fact after listening to the testimony from the people, the witnesses in the four-hour anti-stalking petition hearing, which she ends up, uh, you know, tossing. Finally, from the order, Ms. Camp asserts that she never intended the podcast to be aired and only used as a practice podcast. However, a week after Ms. Camp recorded the podcast focused on female body autonomy, Ms. Camp sent Mr. DeLint a text that included the podcast on female body autonomy in a list of recorded podcasts that she suggested should air. Additionally, it is unlikely that, that a group of participants would gather together in a podcast setting and that Mr. DeLynn and Ms. Camp would be concerned about any technical issues with the podcast if the podcast was a practice session that would never air. So that's where the judge signals that she's not believing Ms. Camp in her assertions at the hearing that this was just a practice session of some sort that was never meant to air. I go on in my preliminary response. Not only was it clear to Judge Coral Sanchez that Ms. Camp's allegations against Mr. DeLynn of being outed as a child sex abuse survivor were more pretended than real, Ms. Camp actually mentioned her child sex abuse on her own podcast publicly aired on January 28th, 2023, which podcast has been up for public viewing ever since, garnering 17,000 views to date. Here's the link to Ms. Camp's January 28th, 23 podcast, and I provide the link there. In this podcast, it's hard for me to read that. In this podcast, Ms. Camp states regarding the podcast, she recorded with Mormon stories, quote, if anyone has recorded two full days of reliving their story, especially one like mine, where I go into detail, 
of all the trauma I endured as a child sexual abuse survivor. And because of later traumas in my life being diagnosed with CPTSD. Now that's timestamp 41.43 to timestamp 42.17. So the point I'm making, if it's not clear, is that she's complaining to the Bar Association about me and asking them to discipline me for releasing a video, the board meeting, in which she talks in general terms just about the fact that she was abused as a child, even though that happened well after the video that she created and that she produced and that she put up in which she herself talks about it. All right. And again, later in the same podcast, Ms. Camp announced relating to a conversation with her parents, quote, I knew Thursday, August 25th, 2022 was going to be a hard day for me. I had scheduled with my parents to take them to dinner at 5.30 p.m. that night at a special restaurant by their home. At this time, my parents did not know I worked for Mormon Stories or that I had recorded my Mormon story. That was scheduled to come out on the following Monday. The podcasts were edited. It was multi-part. The thumbnails were made. And I knew I had to tell them. So my husband and I were going to take them to a nice dinner and tell them about my job, my Mormon story. And that I was telling in my, this is her word still on her podcast from January 28, 2023, about what she's going to tell her parents. And that I was telling in my Mormon story about the abuse and other trauma I had endured in the LDS church. Timestamp 4537 to 4638. It is unclear, I say. It is unclear why, after speaking publicly on her own podcast about her sexual abuse as a child, Ms. Camp should include in her grievance that the posted video of the board meeting, quote, even states within it that I was sexually abused as a child by my religious leaders, period, end of quote, from the grievance. Conclusion, Ms. Camp's grievance has nothing to do with the practice of law. RFM operates as a news agency and is therefore protected by the First Amendment freedom of speech as well as freedom of the press. And finally, Ms. Camp's grievance should be dismissed. That's the conclusion of my response. And that's all that I'm going to be writing in this. That's everything for me. Everything else will be either from the Bar Association or from Jen Camp. And here's the order from Judge Coral Sanchez at the conclusion of the four-hour hearing in which she dismissed Jen Camp's temporary anti-stalking order against John DeLynn. And I'll put each of these up here just briefly. I already read through these on my podcast, which I read completely. I didn't omit anything when I read it for my podcast. At least I certainly didn't intend to. And here's the next page. By the way, the observant among you will notice at the very bottom in the footer that uh, Judge Coral Sanchez has some issue that should be addressed involving the pagination of the different pages. Because here now we're on page six of two, page seven of two. Obviously, that last number needs to continue. That last number needs to be the entire document and not just two. Okay, there's page seven, page eight, page nine, page 10, page 11, page 12, and page 13. Okay. Now, on August 7th, 2023, Jen Camp writes to the Bar Association 
thank you. I think she's saying thank you in response to their sending her my preliminary response. Thank you. I will be responding by Thursday evening this week with more information and evidence showing Mr. RFM lying to the public and smearing my name while using altered court evidence, his degree and status as a lawyer, and court evidence where I have asked the court and judges for the information to be private because of the sensitive information involved. Not only does Mr. RFM lie to the public, but in no way is acting ethically or stating the information in public in its true nature. I'm just playing the tapes. This is one of the most evil acts against a child sexual abuse survivor I have ever seen by a lawyer sworn to ethics he is to uphold. He has re-victimized me now over and over as an adult causing pain, suffering and harm to me and my family. I plan to pursue action against him in the future after the case against his friend, John DeLynn, has been settled. So it looks like I have more to look forward to. I am asking that the board use their judgment and discipline Mr. RFM to the highest degree possible under your control. Thank you, Jennifer Camp. Okay. And there's the next page there. Now, that was, uh, what was it, August 7th? So here it's August 10th, three days later. She's sending another email to the Bar Association, which says, thank you for your time and attention to this matter. I have attached my claims in PDF format and Word format. I emailed yesterday and left a message asking for an extension, but did not hear back. So I am sending in what I have for the attached deadline and hoping that you will let me attach the counterclaim as evidence to this email when it is placed into court and public within the next few days. Okay. There, the counterclaim she's talking about in the civil case where John DeLynn in state court filed against her, she's going to file a counterclaim or at least she's planning on filing a counterclaim. And once she has it filed and the judge accepts it and permits them to file the counterclaim, then she's going to send it on to the Bar Association because she thinks that they're reading the same allegations in the format of a counterclaim in a lawsuit in another state is somehow going to make it more clear. Okay. Thank you, Jen Camp. Next one. Office of Disciplinary Counsel. Okay, here she goes. Office of Disciplinary Counsel from Jen Camp to them. First, I would like to address the unethical conduct of Mr. RFM, a Washington state lawyer, before I address the untruths within his submitted documents. RFM on February 9th downloaded from the Utah State Court System an evidence video and only piece of evidence submitted by a prior client, fellow podcaster, and friend of his, John DeLynn. Okay, let me just say right now, John DeLynn has never been a client of mine. Uh, and neither has uh, Jen Camp, okay? Just uh, just saying. After downloading this video, Exhibit A, she says. Oh, she has some exhibits too. After downloading this video, Exhibit A, RFM, without redacting any private information on the private evidence video, it's not private, but she keeps saying it, so it must be. Without redacting any private information on the private evidence video, including my personal story of being abused as a child, my minor daughter's information and exact private address of their singing coach. I don't know where that was. Private information of my other daughters, the location of my parents, along with private information until the time of this release of downloaded information from the court's website was never public and very private information. Okay. Um, I don't think there's, 
Look, I went back and listened to it. I don't have that board meeting memorized. It is an hour and 45 minutes in which Jim Camp does by far the lion's share of talking. And I don't recall anything about an address. The exact private address of their city. I have no idea. Okay. Private information of my other daughters. Not sure what she's talking about there. The location of my parents. She mentions the name of their, the town they live in. I think that's what she means by that. Anyway, but she does say, that I downloaded this information from the court's website was never private, was never public and very private information. Well, once it was filed with the court, it became public information. Then, oh, excuse me, RFM then uploads and releases this downloaded video onto his YouTube channel as a fundraiser making thousands of dollars. Haven't we heard this before? While lying on the other social media outlets, lying about my lawyer, the lawsuit, and giving his expert opinion as a lawyer that I am lying. Hmm. The lawsuit RFM downloaded of the evidence. Okay. The lawsuit RFM downloaded the evidence from to broadcast on his YouTube channel on February 9th was not even served to me at the time. And I had no information on where and how he was getting this very private video until I was served over a week later on February 17th, 2023. Now it doesn't make any difference if she knows where I'm getting it from. If it's public, if it's public, it's public, regardless of what she knows or doesn't know. But these dates are going to be important. So the lawsuit downloaded the evidence from the YouTube channel. February 9th. Okay. So February 9th, 2-7-23, lawsuit filed. Okay. That's by John DeLynn against her in which this um, board meeting video was an exhibit. So by John DeLynn, two days later, it's published at Mormon Discussions, Inc., my parent company. And what she's going to say is she wasn't served with the lawsuit until February 17th. Now, what's going to be important to know, if you're writing this down like I am, is that there's a date in there that's very important, and it's Valentine's Day, 214 23 because that was the date that Jen filed or obtained her temporary anti-stalking order against John DeLynn. Okay, we'll come back to that. That's very interesting because the main thing is this. What Jen is trying to do is she's trying to say, and she'll say it over and over because it's very important for her to say this, even though it's demonstrably untrue, is that she did not know about the lawsuit that John had filed against her, even though it was filed on February 9th, no, on February 7th, until 10 days later on February 17th, because that was the date that she was served with the lawsuit formally. There's a process server came up, handed it to her and said, okay, now you're served. She's saying she didn't know about it until then. The reason she insists on that is because she wants to make her knowledge of the lawsuit that John Dillon filed against her after her going to court to get the anti-stalking temporary order against John Dillon. The reason, I believe, is because if she knows about the lawsuit that John DeLynn filed against her, before she goes to court to get the temporary anti-stalking uh, petition or order, then it makes 
Jen going to court to get that anti-stalking order look as retaliatory against John for filing a lawsuit against her. That's why she wants to make it clear that she didn't know that John DeLynn had filed a lawsuit against her until after she had gone to court for the anti-stalking temporary order. I hope that makes enough sense to you. We'll come back to that in the end because I'm going to show you how it is that we can actually know that she actually did know about the lawsuit before she got the temporary order, even though she hadn't been served with it personally yet. Okay. Now let me see here. Where am I? I'm going to go back to paragraph three. RFM then uploads and releases his downloaded video onto his YouTube channel as a fundraiser, making thousands of dollars while lying on other social media outlets to write lying about my lawyer, the lawsuit and giving his expert opinion as a lawyer that I am lying. The lawsuit RFM downloaded the evidence from to broadcast on his YouTube channel on February 9th was not even served to me at the time. And I had no information on where and how he was getting this very private video until I was served over a week later on February 17th, 2023. Okay, now I'm caught up. RFM is the ringleader in a smear campaign to benefit his friend, John DeLynn. On January 17th, 2023, I placed in federal court, wrong court, I placed in federal court a lawsuit against his friend and fellow podcaster, John DeLynn, after being unethically terminated, after bringing charges against him with his foundation's board of directors, including harassment, harm, abuse, and sexual harassment. These claims were all given to the board on August 25th, 2022. Well, not at the board meeting. She never mentioned sexual harassment at the board meeting. And now that it's public and everybody can see it, thanks to yours truly, you can see that what I'm saying is true. These claims were all given to the board on August 25th, 2022, while I was still employed without address, oh, period, there's a period there, while I was still employed. Without addressing any of my concerns, I was terminated on September 2nd, 2022. And then she gives some exhibits for that. When I found out John DeLynn was using donors' money to fight the lawsuit I placed against him in federal court, I decided to stop the lawsuit I placed and did not serve John DeLynn. It didn't feel right within me for him to be able to use donors' money for this purpose, and I felt he should not be able to do so. Okay, here's the thing. John DeLynn has been doing nothing but Mormon stories for, I think, at least 15 years. That's the sole source of income, as far as I know. What other money would he be using, Jen, to go get groceries? What other money would he be using to pay the mortgage on his house what other money would he be using to do anything including fighting a lawsuit that you filed against him he's always going to have to be using donors money because that's his sole source of income he's a podcaster okay so i don't know why that would be a surprise to you that in order to fight the lawsuit that you misfiled in federal court now he brings a countersuit not a counterclaim a countersuit in the real the correct court, state court, why he would have to use donors' money to do that. Um, and I want to say one other thing here, okay, is that a lot of times offices, including my office, um, we have liability insurance. And I have a policy. And what that means is if for any reason somebody should come after me with a lawsuit and I have to retain a lawyer to represent me, then my policy is going to cover lawyer lawyer fees, at least up to a certain amount, right? So I'm not going to have to pay that directly out of my pocket. 
this is not in the public discourse yet. So I'm just going to frame it. It's a hypothetical question. Wouldn't it be interesting if Open Stories Foundation did have such a liability insurance policy that had been in effect for, I don't know, some years? And wouldn't it be strange if that policy came up for renewal after Jen Camp was hired to be the executive uh, director of operations? And wouldn't it be strange if the director of operations, Jen Camp, did not renew the liability insurance, did not pay the premium out of OSF funds, but in, did not bring it to anybody's attention, but instead, I don't know, put it in her desk somewhere. With the result that the liability insurance for OSF lapsed and there was no longer any liability insurance for OSF when Jen Camp brought this claim against them. And that therefore, they had to pay out of their own pockets for legal representation instead of having the policy, the insurance policy, to do that for them. Wouldn't that be strange? Hmm, I think it would be. And if that were the case, it would be a strange thing for Jen Camp to be saying, well, I'm not going to serve this lawsuit, which I misfiled in federal court. I'm not going to serve that lawsuit against John DeLynn and OSF because I found out that they would be using donors' money to fight me when the reason that they're using donors' money to fight her is because Jen Camp, when she worked there, allowed the insurance policy to lapse. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Okay, I'm not saying that happened. I'm just saying that'd be really interesting if that happened. Okay, so let's see. That was the bottom of page six. Let me go to the next page. The lawsuit I placed in federal court on January 17th, 2023 was never served to John DeLynn and he never countersued against from John DeLynn or the OSF. No, he never countersued. He never filed a counterclaim. See, it's a specific term. No, he didn't because it was filed in the wrong courthouse. We already covered that. RFM knows this. He is able to read the first page of a lawsuit better than any normal person, so he knows there is and has never been a counterclaim. I didn't say counterclaim, I said countersuit. Has never been a counterclaim against my initial lawsuit that John would have to use donors' money to defend. This is only displayed in the public as a lie to persuade the post-Mormon community and donors that they needed to use donor money to defend John DeLynn and the OSF. This is untrue and RFM should know it. Okay, so apparently this lie that I've told has to do with saying it was a countersuit. Okay, got it. RFM has demonstrated that he has access to the court systems and could easily see and know this, especially with him downloading the only piece of evidence placed in the lawsuit John DeLynn decided to place against me after I obtained within a few hours a temporary stalking protection order against John DeLynn. Wait a second. Downloading the only piece of evidence placed in the lawsuit, John, De John DeLynn decided to place against me after I obtained within a few hours a temporary stalking protection order against John DeLynn. I'm not sure what that means because that timeline seems out of place to me, mainly because it was February 7th that John, De John DeLynn and OSF filed their lawsuit against Jen. It was two days later that I published the 
board meeting or that it was published at Mormon Discussions. It was February 14th that Jen got her original temporary no contact order. Yeah, I'm not sure I understand that. Okay. He has also, I think it's RFM, he has also spread false information regarding the initial temporary protection order. This, this information is easily accessible for him as a lawyer, including the initial protection order and skipping over reporting any information that benefits me, only reporting on information that helps his smear campaign against me. RFM also lied about there being a hearing for the initial protection order. There was no hearing for the initial protection order. The judge received my evidence and paperwork and granted the protection order to me without a court appearance within a few hours of submitting my paperwork. So maybe that's what she means with, when she said within a few hours earlier, within a few hours of submitting my paperwork. Okay, Jen, that's the hearing. That's the hearing. You don't have, you didn't have to appear personally, apparently there in Utah, but that's the hearing. So apparently now I'm lying because I called this process a hearing. Okay. That's another lie I've told. Countersuit and calling it a hearing. Got it. Um, RFM states in a podcast listed below that I did not contact John's lawyer. And I attended a hearing without contacting them. I think what she's talking about is that I describe an ex-party hearing, which I had presumed it was. I didn't know it was all done by uh, email. I didn't know you could get those kind of orders that easily in Utah, but apparently you can. So that I stated in a podcast that I did not contact John's lawyer and I attended a hearing without contacting them. Well, of course you wouldn't contact them because it's an ex parte hearing. This option was never offered to me by the court. I wasn't finding fault with her. I was just describing what an ex parte hearing is. And that's what it was. I submitted the papers via email and within a few hours received the protective order without any type of hearing. That was the hearing. There was never a hearing before the initial protection order was given. He knows this and can also check this on the court sites. I don't care. Apparently, my huge lie, my second big lie of the day, is calling this process a hearing. Okay, got it. 12. John Dillon, RFM's friend and fellow podcaster, was served the stalking protection order later in the day on February 16th. And I was then on February 16th. And I was then served with the lawsuit John placed against me, not a countersuit, right? On it, it was a counter on the morning of February 17th. Okay, so that's when she was served was February 17th. RFM showed up at the stalking protection order hearing in support of John DeLynn. Now, this is really remarkable to me because I wasn't there. Sorry, I couldn't make it to Utah for the hearing, but I had other things to do up here in Washington. I'm not sure why it is that she thinks I showed up at the stocking protection order hearing in support of John DeLynn or why she thinks that's particularly relevant, even if I had. 14. RFM then broadcasted on his YouTube channel the stocking protection order hearing that I asked at the beginning of the court case that the court be closed to the public because of the nature of the information being talked about within the court. RFM did not care and again did not redact any information that was private to me. Well, here's the deal. You go to court, you have a hearing. It's public, baby. I don't care if you tell the judge, hey, I want this to be private. It's not because now you've entered into my backyard. You've entered into the court system and there was no order from the court that it be private. And when I did a public information request to the clerk's office for a complete copy of the audio, they gave it to me. Why? Because it's not private and it's public. And once they gave it to me, it's mine to do with 
as I see fit. And I wanted people to be able to hear the hearing in its entirety and not have bits and pieces that you might not want them to hear excised from the proceedings. Okay, this stocking protection order going on. The stocking protection order was taken away. Yeah, dismissed. And I take full responsibility for this. Now, this is a funny line. I take full responsibility for this. She goes on. I had let my lawyer go when I stopped my lawsuit against John DeLynn in January 2023 and had to hire another attorney quickly because John received a fast court date. I had only met with her, my lawyer, for one hour prior to court. I wasn't prepared for what happened in that courtroom, and neither was she. Now, by the way, when lawyers appear in front of a judge for a hearing, they actually can tell the judge if they're not ready or if they're not prepared to go forward and if they need a continuance. That did not happen. Jane Camp's attorney did not say any of this to the court and that she needed a continuance. In fact, she was ready to go and she did go. It's just that she lost and Jen Camp lost her case regardless. Jen Camp goes on. I also had a witness to another instance where John DeLynn was liking and unliking my images on Instagram. At the last minute, she withdrew from testifying because of the smear campaign she saw being placed against me in the media by RFM. So there's some witness who's supposed to testify that John DeLynn was liking and unliking my images on Instagram. This is very strange. This was never brought up in the, the hearing, the four-hour hearing. And Jen DeLynn, Jen DeLynn, God forbid, Jen had never brought it up in any context. Uh whether she was told this by somebody else, which even though it's hearsay could come in if it went to her state of mind and her fear of John DeLynn, but she doesn't give any indication uh, of that in her testimony. And I'm not sure why John DeLynn liking and unliking her images on Instagram, that just seems so odd, so weird, so strange. So I'm just reading what she's saying now. She says, I did not make her testify because I have experienced some very low times during the smear campaign by RFM. You know, if she says smear campaign enough, I guess it's true. Where at the lowest, I did not want to live anymore. I could not make her feel all the hurt I had felt and endured because of it. So basically, she's saying she didn't call her as a witness. Okay. Without her testimony, evidence my new lawyer did not submit. Okay, that's definitely blaming the lawyer. So without her testimony, this witness with this incredible blockbuster, you know, evidence of John DeLynn liking and unliking images on Instagram, without her testimony and evidence my new lawyer did not submit, and with persuasion by evidence we have since found has been edited and stitched together, oh my gosh, yeah, you're making that allegation here, you, this may come back to haunt you. If you're saying that the videos or whatever was shown in that hearing the stalking hearing was edited and stitched together to go along with his story. The judge did not find I had enough instances of evidence and withdrew the stalking protection order. Okay, so that's Jen Camp's version of taking full responsibility. 18, RFM did podcasts about most of the stalking protection order with adding many lies he knew he was telling. What are these lies? RFM did not ever podcast about any of the items in my favor. There wasn't a whole lot to say in your favor. I'm sorry. Example, at the end of the stalking protection order being withdrawn, opposing counsel asked for all lawyers' fees to be paid by me totaling over $30,000. 
This must have happened sometime afterward. The judge denied this request and also stated the following message at the end of her denial. The following message. Last, this is the judge. Last, or I should say, this is Jane Camp's representation of what Judge Sanchez said at a hearing at which John DeLynn and OSF asked for attorney's fees to be paid by Jen Camp to them. Basically, because I'm sure their allegation was it was a frivolous hearing not brought in good faith. Last and importantly, this is the judge, there was no persuasive evidence presented at the evidentiary hearing to support that petitioner, Jen, acted in bad faith, vexatiously, wantonly, or for oppressive reasons in applying for an ex parte temporary stocking injunction. Obviously, that's the statutory language that you have to find. That's the burden you have to find or the judge has to find in order to assess attorney's fees. Although respondent made allegations and speculated about petitioner's reasons for applying for a stocking injunction, the court is not convinced that petitioner was motivated by any improper reason. Therefore, the respondent's motion is denied. Each party must bear its own costs in litigating this banner. So John has to pay for his lawyers. Jen has to pay for her lawyers. Okay. Further showing that RFM is only reporting on his podcast what serves his friend John DeLynn in a smear campaign. He is not reporting as a journalist or reporter, but as a smear campaign against me and is in truth harming and abusing a woman who is already fighting a huge battle for justice against another man who has harmed and abused her, his friend. I have attached evidence of lies he has told you. Wait, she's saying she's already attached evidence of it? Okay, I must have missed it. I guess that's when I called John DeLynn and OSF's lawsuit against her a counter lawsuit. A counter suit is what I called it because she had misfiled her original one in federal court. And I guess the other thing is, um, oh my gosh, I can't even remember what it was. Um, well, oh, calling it a hearing, calling the uh, ex party <laughs> procedure by which you got the temporary protection order a hearing. And that's really kind of what it is. Okay. I have attached evidence of lies he has told you and also the public in the attached papers. I cannot afford to battle this with RFM in a court of law at this time with the other court case pending. So I am seeking your help to stop the unethical harm being placed upon me. I am trusting in the process the Washington State Bar Office of Disciplinary Counsel has in place to discipline RFM. He has harmed me and continues to do so. I ask you to discipline him to the full extent, which would be disbarment, as he continues to cause harm to me and my family. What I would like to see if this information is needed. Okay, now this is what she wants the Bar Association to do to me. Pay attention. I would like all podcasts on any of his channels that have anything to do with me or contain any image or video of me taken down. So here's Jane Cam's starting to sound an awful lot like the Mormon Church. Second, I want a written apology for knowingly lying about the cases and conducting a smear campaign. And three, I would like to see his license revoked or at best suspended long term until he can act ethically as a lawyer sworn to the ethics of the Washington State Bar. Oh my gosh. I emailed in for an extension to be able to add my countersuit. It's a counterclaim against John DeLynn as evidence because it addresses many of the items in RFM's claims here. It's just the same information over and over. I would like to submit that as soon as it is submitted to the court system, which should be within the next few days, 
If it is possible to still receive the extension of one to two weeks to get that to you, I would be greatly appreciative. I have attached the evidence I have for now, but would like to attach the rest as soon as the countersuit is counterclaim is public. By the way, the counterclaim is not evidence. It's allegations like most of what she has claimed against me here without evidence. Thank you for your time in thoroughly reviewing and disciplining Mr. RFM accordingly. Sincerely, Jennifer Camp. Okay, now here's her exhibit. So here's the first exhibit, Exhibit A, which was the link of the YouTube video. See, it was a YouTube video. That's the bar, uh, the board meeting video from August 30th that was filed as an attachment to John Dillon's lawsuit against her. Okay, it's Exhibit A in his lawsuit, and there it is attached as a link. Yeah, that's where I got it from. Oh, Exhibit B, she has something there too. I'm not sure what that is. Okay. And actually, let me just go ahead and check, okay? Because it's up here. Let's see, where does she say about Exhibit B and what that's supposed to be? I may have to be jumping back and forth and I apologize, but that's what the court has to do every time they read this or any lawyer as well. So let's see. Okay, after downloading this video, Exhibit A, Information to the court's website was never public and very private information. Exhibit B, I think it's the same thing. Then exhibit C and D, this is about me lying about her lawyer. Oh my gosh. This is the same stuff she's already sent them. Does she think that saying it again is going to win the day? Okay, so there's the statement. Would that be the attorney who just fired her? Then there's the same um, text back and forth between her and her lawyer. I'm sure her lawyer is going to be thrilled with the fact that she's including texts between her and her lawyer and thus vitiating the attorney-client privilege, at least insofar as the subject matter is concerned, by doing so and making it public. Okay. Exhibit D. So here she says, RFM used his legal opinion after carefully reviewing the mountain of hard evidence in this case, right? These are my Reddit comments. The claim that I am being disingenuous and having a leg to stand on. He states he has reviewed the hard evidence and as a lawyer using his law degree as persuasion states that Jen has only innuendo to rely on. Well, kind of like the bar complaint against me. Yeah. He uses this along with other friends of John DeLynn in the same post smearing my name and stating the evidence they supposedly have seen. Unfortunately for them, I am about to file a counterclaim in my evidence against John's that none of them have ever asked for or looked at. This is not the workings of a journalist RFM claims to be. This is the working of a smear campaign and lies to further a friend's untrue story. Hang on just a second. I'm sorry. I've just got a cough here. Okay. Let's go back to this. Because she says, unfortunately for them, I am about to file a counterclaim and my evidence against John's that none of them have ever asked for or looked at. All right. Newsflash. This is late breaking news from the civil case. Jen Camp and her attorney sought to file a counterclaim against John Dillon's lawsuit against her in state court, okay? So, they missed the deadline. Whatever that deadline was, I'm not even sure, but they missed the deadline. And so they had to file a request to the judge, who I understand is Judge Faust, um, the former first presidency member, James Faust, remember him? I think it's his son or his grandson, maybe his son. Anyway, so they had to file a request of the judge to permit them to file their counterclaim, even though they'd blown past the deadline. 
John's attorneys, and it's also OSF's attorneys, because this is the civil suit and OSF is being sued. John is being sued individually. So is Clint and Carrie, I believe, and also OSF is the company. They're all being sued together by Jen Kemp. So OSF filed an objection to Jen Kemp's attempt to file her counterclaim late and after the deadline had expired. And it is my understanding that just this past week, the judge granted OSF's motion and denied Jennifer Camp's motion to file her counterclaim late, which means now she's got no counterclaims against him, not in the court case. So apparently when she says, unfortunately for them, I'm about to file a counterclaim. Actually, this is unfortunately for you, Jen, the judge is about to, den to deny your request to file your late counterclaim. Okay. So then she goes ahead and she puts on, you know, those same comments I had made on Reddit, probably from November of last year. We've gone through that before. Here's exhibit E, lawsuit in the Utah State Courts from John Boleyn and the OSF was served to me on February 17th, 2023. So she wants to really, really focus that as February 17th being the date she got that. And there's a reason for that. And we've mentioned it before. We'll come back to it later. Exhibit F, the YouTube and TikTok videos RFM has uploaded with his narrative and smear campaign. I think they're pretty much just factually based, but she gives all these links there. And uh, you can go look at those yourself if you like. Oh, and there's some more. Okay, good. She's doing some good free advertising for Radio Free Mormon. Appreciate it. Here's Exhibit G, the U.S. District Court. So this was what? This is tough for me to read. It's Camp versus Delin et al. Case number. I think this might have to do with the counterclaim that she was requesting. But I'm not positive. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just too small for me to read. Okay. Oh, and here's Exhibit H. This is of some interest. The email I received, Jen received as termination in my reply back to the Board of Directors. So here's what they told, they said to her. Jen, we regret to inform you that as a part of organizational restructuring, your position as Director of Operations for the Open Stories Foundation has been eliminated. And we will no longer be requiring your services at this time. We have tried repeatedly to call to tell you this directly, but have been unable to reach you. We are extremely grateful for all of your valuable contributions over the past eight months, Jen, and are sincerely sorry to see you go. While the job responsibilities we originally agreed to with you changed significantly within a few short months of your start date, I think that was when Kara Burrell left, you have worked super hard with your full heart to help make the OSF successful in your expanded role. And we would like to fully acknowledge the many ways in which you have positively contributed to the OSF mission during your eight months here. Your many positive contributions will be sorely missed. We would like to offer you two weeks pay as severance. You are also welcome to apply to the Department of Workforce Services for unemployment if you so desire. We would kindly request that you return all OSF property to the OSF office within three business days, as well as retrieve your possessions. This would include your laptop, all camera and sound equipment, mail keys, office keys, and key cards, any bank related assets or information and any other equipment or property purchased or owned by the OSF. If you would like to arrange a time to come by the office where it will be unoccupied, Clint is willing to coordinate. We wish you the sincere 
best in your future endeavors, Jen. Sincerely, the OSF Board of Directors. And here is Jen's re reply. OSF Board of Directors, I appreciate you recognizing my contributions as the Director of Operations, as well as my expanded role as co-host of Mormon Stories Podcast. As you stated, I put my whole heart into my work at Mormon Stories and have been sincerely praised for all my hard work, dedication, and love by staff and listeners. I especially love the friendships and connections I have made with the listeners, guests, and donors during my time with the OSF. For that, I will always be very grateful. I regret to inform you I decline the severance and the reasons you state for my termination. I have started litigation, and you will be contacted by my attorney shortly. Clint, I would like to arrange to drop off all the OSF's equipment I have in my possession and pick up my personal property while the studio is unoccupied. Please let me know when the earliest convenience is for this. Sincerely, Jennifer Camp. Oh, so now we get to see that. Thank you. That's interesting, Jen. So transcript of the beginning and ending of some of RFM's podcasts with lies. Red is truth. Crossed out words are RFM's lies. Oh, my gosh. Now... I'm sorry, I had to scan this. The, the coloring didn't come through. It wasn't that much more clear with the coloring, with the red. But this is, or purports to be, a transcript, I think, of, let's see. This is supposed to be me, although it was originally scheduled to take only two hours. Okay, so this is me doing my introduction to the four-hour audio recording of the hearing, the, the, the stalking order hearing. Okay, this is supposed to be me, and it sounds like me. Although it was originally scheduled to take only two hours, it ended up being a little over four hours long. A number of months ago, I obtained a copy of the order that the judge issued at the end of the hearing, denying Jen Camp's request for a permanent order and revoking the temporary order that had been issued. But it is not until today and after two requests of the clerk's office that I have obtained a copy of the audio of the entire hearing which is what I intend to play for you today on this episode of Radio Free Mormon. I think this will be very interesting because not only is it a hearing on Jen Camp's petition for an anti-stalking order against John DeLynn, and see, this is the problem, is that right at that point, now she's going to intersperse her own commentary. It made it very difficult for me to follow the first time I was trying to read it, even the second time I was trying to read this. But... Um, what I end up going to, let me see if I can find where I pick up again. Okay, I think this will be very interesting uh, because not only is it a hearing on Jen Camp's petition for an anti-stalking order against John DeLynn. Okay, it's just too much. I can't do this. So I'm just going to read what she writes in there. She says, like I mentioned above, this is not at all a glimpse into the lawsuit to come. At the time of this hearing, I had to hire a new lawyer because I had not, I had let mine go when I stopped my lawsuit against John. We've heard this. I had to hire a new lawyer because I had let mine go. When it's, okay. I had only met with my, my lawyer for one hour prior to this hearing. Yeah, we've heard that too. She was not prepared for what happened in my opinion, with the circus, quote unquote, with the circus that was brought into the count, the courtroom that day. Oh my gosh, Jen Camp thought it was a circus. Nor was I, nor was I. I take full responsibility for not being prepared for what happened that day. <laughs> How could you be pre prepared for a circus? Of course, she's going to take 
uh, full responsibility for things that were completely beyond her control. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I also had a witness, okay, to the liking and unliking of the video po videos slash posts on my Instagram page pull out at the last minute because she was afraid of being smeared by RFM and John DeLynn's people. Though I could have subpoenaed her, I felt it not right to subject her to the harm, abuse, and smear campaign by RFM and others that continues to this day. Oh, oh, oh okay. So I think that she lined out what was my next line. Because what I was going to say was, I think this will be very interesting because not only is it a hearing on Jen Camp's petition for an anti-stalking order against John DeLynn, it gives us a glimpse and perhaps even more than a glimpse into the civil lawsuit that is going on now behind the scenes as it's working its way through the court system. Okay, so all of that was a huge long parenthetical comment in the middle of what I was saying as she's transcribing it from my introduction in the audio before I play the audio from the hearing. All right. The false narrative expressed in the media continues to harm me. And she goes on. The false narrative RFM is expressing in the media continues to harm me and my family. What false narrative is there about this? I don't even know what she's talking about at this point. This is not the work of a journalist. This is the work of evil. This is the work of a man wanting to save face of a friend who has a Google document signed by at least 18, 19 women. Sorry, it's very small print if you're not looking at this on the screen. It was, it was very small in the original as well. Who has a Google document signed by at least... I'll say it's 19 women, stating that John DeLynn harmed and abused them that was also placed in the Salt Lake Tribune newspaper and online news by a reputable journalist. I am the 19th on this list. And then, okay, then I, I had said, so now, here, so here now for your listening pleasure is the full audio of the hearing held March 7, 2023, at which Jen Camp lost her petition to have a permanent anti-stalking order placed against John DeLynn. Play the tape. Okay. And then it goes on to uh, transcribe the audio from the hearing because that's the judge talking there. Okay, so that's everything that she wants to say on this page. Oh boy, we got another one of these. I think it's the last one. But now, just to be consistent, she's going to have truth written in green and lies crossed out in the ending of the podcast. I'm sorry. So this must be the ending of the same podcast. So I'm making my outro comments, right? This is this horrible smear campaign that I'm placing against her with these comments. And the judge gets done about uh, at least three quarters of the way down. So where it says 157.36, she ruled the next day. Wait a second. Nope, that's where I start. That's where I come in. She ruled the next day. She did not... What is this? So apparently, maybe I had said that. Oh, I said she ruled the next day. She did not rule on the same day as court. And then she, she's saying the judge did take it under advisement and was able to issue a written ruling by the end of the day in which she stated that 
Jen Camp had failed to prove by a preponderance of the evidence that she was in fact stalked by John DeLynn and her case was dismissed. If you want to hear the order from the judge in its entirety, he did not, this is now to me, he did not read it verbatim. Yes, I did. He skipped many parts. I'm pretty dang sure I didn't. I, I could be mistaken, but the whole point of it was to read the order. In an earlier episode of Radio Free Mormon, also the board meeting itself, which is subject of so much testimony in this hearing, is likewise available at Mormon Discussions, Inc., and you can watch it. That was me talking. Okay, so um, I'm not sure what the, um, I think the lie, <laughs> I think the lie here is that she's saying that I said that the judge issued her order the day after the hearing when actually it was later on the same day of the hearing. I'm not sure I said that. Maybe I did. Maybe I got that wrong because it was issued the same day just later in the day. It has the same date as the hearing of March 7th, 2023. So it looks like Jen Camps caught me in another scurrilous lie. Let's see what else she has. Oh my gosh. Oh no, no, no. Now she's going to go through everything that I wrote in my preliminary response and she's going to copy and paste it and then give her take on it. She's going to respond to each of these as if I'm filing a lawsuit against her and now she has to respond in some way in her answer. Okay, so my number one, I'm not going to reread this again unless I have to, to give it context, but you can see it there. She says, John DeLynn stated under oath in the stalking trial audio attached that he has used RFM for legal representation and consulting. I don't know what he said. I don't think he ever said for legal representation because I've never represented John DeLynn and consulting. And I don't know what any what they mean by that or if John means anything by that because guess what? When you're a doctor, everybody in your life at one time or another asks you medical questions. And when you're a lawyer, everybody in your life at some time or other asks you legal questions. And I'm sure John DeLynn has done that. I know Bill Real has. I know Maven has. I know pretty much everybody in my entire world has at some time or other. And sometimes more often than that, ask for, uh, ask me legal questions to get my take on things as a lawyer, which of course I try and help them with as much as I can. Um, okay, so two, but the, but the thing I want to make very clear is I've never represented John DeLynn in anything. All right, two, Radio Free Mormon, that, that's me. She says, um, let's see. Oh, she wants to take issue with my talking about that I'm a news podcast, right? She says, Radio Free Mormon is not a news podcast. Well, I am, as I demonstrated. It is a podcast that talks about issues of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Mormons, and its truth claims. As stated on its own social media platform, Radio Free Mormon tackles sticky issues in Mormonism by performing a historical and contextual analysis of various tough issues within Mormonism and diving deep into the data. Again, sometimes it involves journalism. Okay, Radio Free Mormon. Now she's going to go back through all of this stuff. Oh, that, that's, her, that's her link from um, apparently what's written on the, the page, which was written by Bill Real ages ago, and which I really appreciate. Okay. That's my door locking itself. Technology. Isn't it wonderful? I hope I can get out of here when I'm done. Okay, so then... Uh, I had talked about that I rely on the First Amendment and freedom of the press. And she says, RFM is entitled to the First Amendment protections relating to freedom of speech if his reporting is true and ethical, which obviously it isn't. And we've seen how. 
Mr. RFM knowingly stated false and defamatory posts and statements, vastly one-sided, without any journalistic ethical approach to the podcast he released indefinitely against his sworn ethics as a lawyer. Even regular journalists with prejudice, influence, present, present their work with ethics far greater than RFM has demonstrated here as a lawyer sworn to ethics of the Washington State Bar. And then I give all the instances. Oh, this is really interesting because I give those three instances of where I have operated uh, very much as in the role of an investigative journalism. I read those before. I won't read them again. But her response to all three of those is not to respond to them. What she says is, in all examples stated above, RFM has never conducted a smear campaign attached to the podcast he has released. Well, Bonnie Corden might think differently about it than you, Jen. For some reason, uh, so so might Philastus, not Philastus, um, Philander Smart the Third, the mission president in Puerto Rico. He might think that was a bit of a smear campaign. You see, it all depends on whose ox is getting gored as to whether you think that journalism is a smear campaign. So, But she goes on to say, in all examples stated above, RFM has never conducted a smear campaign attached to the podcast he has released. Oh, and I'm sure that the, the mission president, uh, what was his name? Bishop. His last name was Bishop. It's been too long. I can't remember. I expect he thought it was a bit of a smear campaign too. He, Jen says, RFM also has access to the truths of the claims he is making and still podcasts with lies and smears that he knows are false and defaming. You see, she thinks if she says lies, smears, smear campaign, unethical, false, defaming enough that somehow just her saying that over and over again is going to convince the bar that that's true. Actually, when you're dealing with lawyers, lawyers tend to be more interested in facts. When you're dealing with people, reasonable people, people tend to be more interested in facts than allegations. But um, we kind of got the reverse going here with Jen. It's just all allegations. Very little on the facts. So when the facts come up, we find that the lies that I've told are really just disagreements with how I use a word that doesn't have anything to do with what it is we're talking about, really. She's kind of nitpicking here, I think. And I think that's probably a charitable way of putting it. She goes on. He has he also has never been involved in legal consulting or counsel with the parties involved, to my knowledge. And I have not here either, by the way. Thank you. In any of the mentioned podcasts above, making this a very different situation. Okay. So then I go on. Um, I talk about John DeLinis, the most famous and successful podcaster. She says, this is the opinion of RFM. I think it's objectively true, <laughs> Jen, that John DeLinis is the most famous and successful podcaster in the post-Mormon community. Okay. I don't know why she wants to quibble about that. Maybe because it says something nice against this uh, guy who used to employ her and with whom she's had a falling out and is now in a legal battle with. So this is the opinion of RFM until the last part of the sentence where it states John DeLynn is the host of Mormon Stories podcast located in Utah. Actually, it's all true. Okay, so... I say that uh, she worked for Mormon Stories for around eight months in 2022, et cetera. She says, part that is true. I worked as director of operations and a co-host of Mormon Stories podcast for approximately eight months from January, September, 2022. That's what I said. You don't have to. <sighs> okay. False. I was terminated because of restructuring within the Open Stories Foundation as stated in my email of termination. See attached evidence as shown above of the email in my reply. 
Then she says, I never made false accusations against him. He attached counterclaim when available. Well, it's not going to be available because it was never allowed to be filed. Okay, this just gets so nitpicky. Uh, I'm just going to try and go through it as quickly as I can. Uh, it's even straining my patience. Okay, so false. I make a comment about uh, Ms. Camp arranged a board meeting on August 30th, 2022 to make a grievance against Mr. Lynn involving allegations of non-sexual but harassing conduct. Ms. Camp said occurred in a one-on-one -on -one meeting between her and Mr. Lynn five days earlier on August 25th, 2022. False. I arranged for the meeting to discuss my claims against John with the board, which included sexual harassment and many other violations of the policy. Okay, this is one of the big problems that Jen has with her case. Is she says she was going to and she wanted to and she was fully prepared to discuss her allegations of sexual assault against John at this meeting, which lasts an hour and 45 minutes on August 30th, 2022 with the board. She never brings it up. She dominates the discussion. She's given all sorts of time. She's even asked if there's anything else she wants to bring. She never once brings up any allegation about sexual harassment. So just speaking as a lawyer, this now makes it difficult for her because if she doesn't bring them up until after the meeting's over, it looks like retaliate. It looks um, like it's retaliatory, like she's retaliating against them or she didn't bring it up then. So why didn't you bring it up? Obviously, sexual harassment would be like the worst thing. It's the thing that would be most on your mind. It's the thing you'd be most likely to bring up at this meeting. She never brings it up. And that's a problem. And so she has to make excuses for it. Remember, this is the way that Jen has of taking full responsibility for things is blaming other people. So she says, false, I arranged for the meeting to discuss my claims against John with the board, which included sexual harassment and many other violations of the policy. The board, all she talks about, and by the way, I published it so you can go back and look at it, right? All she brings up is that she had a meeting with John on August 25th, 2022, which is a Thursday in the afternoon. And she was mad at John for having her come into the office on a day that was supposed to be a work from home day. That's it. And she didn't think that John treated her fairly. That's it. That was her claim that she made to the board. That's the only claim she talked about in an hour and 45 minutes when she was given the floor to talk about anything and everything she wanted to. That was it. Okay, going on. Jen says, the board members ran out of time because against policy, they allowed John DeLynn to attend the meeting and take up time. <clears throat> Watch the board meeting. He takes up five minutes, stops. See, she's got to have an excuse, even though her excuses keep running into the wall of hard facts which is why she's upset that I put up the board meeting because it contradicts her on so many places, okay? All subjects not being able to be addressed were sent to the board, not able to be addressed. Of course they were able to be addressed. You didn't think of them until after the meeting was over. That's how I read this. What she says is all subjects not being able to be addressed were sent to the board following their time restraint on the meeting of an hour and 45 minutes on a Monday evening. Yeah, their time restraint on the meeting and were requested to meet with them again ASAP. Okay, see attached counterclaim when available. All right, I say after the board meeting had concluded, the board of directors were able to review a video recording of the entire interaction between Ms. Camp and Mr. Lynn at the one-on-one -on -one August 25th, 2022 meeting. She says, there is no proof of this recorded meeting video. Well, guess why? because it hasn't been made public and I have not been able to access it in a way that it would be public. I could have put it up if I'd wanted to. I could have put it up months ago, but that's not the way I roll here at Radio Free Mormon. 
I try and do things ethically in spite of what other people, such as Jennifer, <laughs> seem to think. But no, I don't put things up until they're public. So she says, there is no proof of this recorded meeting video. No video has been produced as of this date. They have never re reviewed it with me. Well, it's coming, Jen. So that's something for you to look forward to. Then I had said, upon reviewing the recording, the board of directors discovered that Ms. Camp had made false and defamatory accusations against Mr. Lynn that did not occur during their one-on-one -on -one meeting. She says, I stand by the truth that I did not claim anything that I did not feel happened or that I felt during that meeting with Mr. DeLynn. See, maybe she's just saying this differently than I would. I'm really not interested in her feelings, okay, in order to find out what happened. I'm interested in seeing things and seeing evidence and facts. Tell me what happened. What she feels about what happened is not as important to me as finding out what really happened, okay? Reasonable, I almost said reasonable minds can differ, but I'm not sure that's true. Minds can differ, let's put it that way. She says, I stand by the truth that I did not claim anything that I did not feel happened or that I felt during that meeting with Delin, Mr. Delin. This video has never been shown and I stand by my truth that I did not claim anything that did not happen. Okay, let me just tell you something, Jim. When this goes to trial, your case with John Delin in which you have no counterclaims anymore, but only his claims against you, when you take the stand, it also happened actually at the anti-stalking petition hearing that you lost when you took the stand. You'll notice that when you were sworn in as a witness, the bailiff does not say, um, do you solemnly swear or affirm that the testimony you are about to give is your truth? You never hear those words. They don't ask you if it's your truth. They ask you if it's the truth. That's the truth I'm interested in, the truth. Not your truth, not my truth, the truth, okay? So then I said, as a result, well, she says, I stand by my truth that I did not claim anything that did not happen. Okay. Well, the problem is, is that after the board meeting and after you said you recorded the one-on-one -on -one meeting with John DeLynn from five days earlier, and then all of a sudden you say, when Clint asks you if you're going to, if you could play it back so we could listen and see if it matches what you've described, then all of a sudden you go, oh, uh, I deleted it. And then, strange as that might sound, fortunately, fortunately, there was another means that it was recorded in the, um, by security footage, both the video and the audio of the meeting from the prior Thursday on August 25th, the entire one hour meeting. And Clint and Carrie and John, but especially Clint and Carrie, the other two members of the board at OSF, testified in March at the stalking hearing that after the board meeting was over on August 30th of last year, they went and got that video from the security camera company they played it, they watched the whole thing, and what they saw was that what Jen had described John as doing in this meeting was completely different from what it was they could see with their own eyes happened in the meeting. That she was painting a story that made John look much worse than he really was. Let's put it that way. And that was largely why she got fired. But not to worry, Jen says, I stand by my truth that I did not claim anything that did not happen. Okay. Let me see here. I said, as a result, the board of directors fired Ms. Camp from her position. 
And uh, she says, according to their own words, this is not the reason that I was terminated. And further, defamation by RFM through his smear campaign. Now, this can't be further defamation because I'm writing it to the Bar Association in response to the bar complaint that she filed against me. So I'm not sure why this is further defamation, especially since it's the truth. And actually, she's going to agree with it here in a second. According to their own words, this is not the reason that I was terminated and, and further defamation by RFM. Through his smear campaign, I also know the statement of restructuring or downsizing as claimed by the OSF and John DeLynn is false. Okay, this part had me laughing out loud. I'm lying when I say she got fired for making false allegations against John DeLynn, she says, because the actual notice she got from OSF was that she was being let go because they were restructuring and downsizing, right? So I'm lying because I'm saying she got fired because of the false and defamatory statement she made against John DeLynn, proven false by the actual video. But I'm lying about that. But then at the end of this, she says, I also know the statement of restructuring or downsizing as claimed by the OSF and John DeLynn is false. So she's busting my chops in the first sentence for saying something that's different than what was said by the OSF in their official let go letter, their pink slipping of Jen Camp. Even though in the next sentence, she says she knows it's false too. And she knows. The... <laughs> okay. So let's see here. It says email counterclaim. Huh? Not sure what that is. All right. Um, I say after being fired, Miss Camp began making accusations of sexual harassment against Mr. DeLynn. Accusations she had never made at any point prior to her being fired. Um, she says sexual harassment claim was given to the board of directors of the Open Stories Foundation on August 25th. I think that's the one that Carrie had testified to as being at the uh, stalking hearing as being very cryptic in nature. And she didn't even know what Jim Camp was talking about. She sent her a copy of the policy or part of the policy and part of it was highlighted and there was nothing nothing specific at all in there no allegations or accusations or anything um but that's what i understand jen camp is saying that she sent to the open stories foundation on august 25th which would be after the wait a second, on august 25th she says sexual harassment claim was given to the board of directors of the open stories foundation on august that's the day of the one-on-one -on -one meeting that's not even true according to her story Wow, circles within circles. She says, I told the truth of what happened to me working for John DeLynn and also in the pursuit of protecting other women who do not know the pattern of harm and abuse by John DeLynn. Okay, so she has uh, a mission in life to protect other women. There has been an article published in the Salt Lake Tribune by 18 women, including former director of operations, lawyers, and doctors that all claim the same harm and abuse by John DeLynn. Once again, that's not true, but regardless, it's just basically an I don't like John DeLynn letter. Um, then she says, like I stated before, the board members ran out of time because John DeLynn was allowed by them to attend the meeting against policy and then, and then allowed to take up time. Oh, this is going to be something that will be very, very contested, I'm sure. In the course of the lawsuit, I'm not going to get into it now. And then I had said, to be clear, it is this video of the board meeting of which Ms. Camp complains in her grievance. 
And then she says, RFM as a lawyer with Washington State Bar downloaded the one piece of evidence from a court website. It did not come from a counterclaim filed against my lawsuit. I placed in federal court because no counterclaim was ever filed. See, she's really hook, uh, hung up on this. I never served John DeLynn after finding out he was using donors' money to fight my lawsuit. It came from a lawsuit that was placed into the Utah courts by John DeLynn and the OSF and served to me the day after I obtained a temporary stalking protection order against his friend, client, and fellow podcaster, John DeLynn. Excuse me. Let me grab a, um, let me see here. Grab a drink, take one more lozenge, which is my way of saying lozenge. And hopefully I'm on the home stretch here. Okay. Let's see. I had said after being fired from Mormon Stories, Miss Camp created her own podcast, Our Truth Be Told, which in addition to interviewing guests, she also used to publicly air her grievances against Mr. Lynn. Her response is, again, I was not fired. She wants to quibble about terminology all over the place. I don't know. You're working for him one day. You're not working for him the next day. You didn't quit. What do you call it, Jen? Okay? I use the term fired. But you can use whatever term you want. But don't sit there and say that I'm a liar because I'm saying you got fired when you obviously got fired. Um, and she says, once again, I'm being false here. I created Our Truth Be Told for a place for women to tell their faith transition stories and the impact of a high-demand religion and patriarchy have on women. This podcast has nothing to do with John DeLynn in any way. But then she gives it away. I actually address this in a short podcast stating that I will not talk about John DeLynn or Mormon stories on our our Truth Be Told podcast because I did not want John DeLynn to be any part of this podcast. By the way, she goes on, I created an entirely separate podcast to state all information regarding the lawsuits and what truthfully happened to me and at least 18 other women. So I'm false because I said she used Our Truth Be Told to talk about John DeLynn and she says, that's false. I never did that. <laughs> I would never do that. I created a different podcast to make all these defamatory allegations against John <laughs> Okay. We got to have fun with it somehow. I can hardly hate, I can hardly wait to hear what the, um, the Bar Association's decision is going to be. I can just imagine them having to wade through this. Can you imagine? Okay. And by that, by that, I mean, I mean, you are waiting through it. I'm waiting through it. You're waiting it, wait, waiting through it with me. But I mean, somebody who doesn't know anything about these people or what's going on. That's a real tough slog. Okay. So I had said on January 17th, 2023, Ms. Kent filed a lawsuit against Mr. DeLynn, members of the board of directors in Utah, blah, blah, blah. She says, RFM, knowing I had filed the above lawsuit on January 17th, 2023, will then also know that it was in federal court and also know that there was never a countersuit filed against my lawsuit as stated above. Once again, I've explained that I think before. And she's made the same accusation before to the same bar association with the same goal in mind of getting me disbarred. Well, of course, getting disbarred after first off, I've been forced to take down all videos about her and given her a, a written apology. <laughs> so let's see if there's anything else here. In my opinion that it is my opinion that RFM states this and lies about this over and over. See, this is a lie. This is just a lie to her. Did I say a countersuit instead of a new lawsuit that was filed 
as a response to her filing her initial lawsuit in the wrong court system. <laughs> okay. But it's her opinion that I'm lying about this over and over because it will look bad for John DeLynn to be using donors' money and filing a lawsuit against me to silence me. A little podcast that had zero followers at the time I posted my story. Okay. I've talked about the, the donors' money bit before. I'm not going to repeat it again. Can you say um, fail to renew the insurance liability policy? Can you say that, Jen? Say it with me. Oh, that's going to be interesting when that comes out, if it comes out. Let me see here. In my opinion, again, she says, he states this over and over, so it appears that John had to defend himself against the lawsuit I served. This is false in every way. Okay. Well, your opinion is completely wrong. So I didn't do it for any reason like that. I just did it to try and make it simpler. Wow. But sometimes anything I do will be seen by certain people as having a ulterior motive. So at least Jen's not alone in that. Right, Michelle? There is no countersuit from John. There is only a lawsuit he pursued against me. I will send in the countersuit. She means... <laughs> she means counterclaim. When it is public and submitted within the next few days. And, sorry, that's not going to happen, but you don't know that yet, Jen. Okay. If he can download a private board meeting... Linked is the only evidence by his friend John DeLynn in his case against me, then Mr. Radio Free Mormon, a lawyer with the Washington State Bar, can read the first page of the case and know it you know if it is a lawsuit or a counter lawsuit. This is her this is her big evidence. She's gonna she's gonna hammer the table about this as long as she possibly can, over and over again. Here, let's see. Here. He has lied over and over in this regard to further his friend's story. Oh, my word. Okay, well, now we know what the lies are that I've been telling, at least. They're almost as good as James Raphael's lies that he's accused Bill Real of. A little bit of an insider joke for those of you who follow Mormonism Live. Oh. Okay, now, this is going to be important, actually. And I'm going to limit this to maybe 20 more minutes tops. I said two days later on February 9th, 2023, a copy of the board meeting video was posted at Mormon Discussions, Inc., the parent company and multiple podcasts, including RFM. So in other words, what I'm saying is February 7th, the lawsuit was filed by John DeLynn in state court. The link to the board meeting was attached as an exhibit. Two days later, it shows up at Mormon Discussions, Inc. Okay, and she says, this is the private board meeting that I was at the time not aware of any lawsuit placed against me. This is important. She says, I was not aware of any lawsuit placed against me as of February 9th, 2023. Now that part's probably true. I was made aware of the lawsuit placed against me on February 17th when, I was, when it was served to me. That part is not correct, which I'll prove here in a second. This will be one of the fun parts of the show or more fun parts of the show. She wants to say she didn't know about this lawsuit that John DeLynn filed against her until February 17th. Once again, 
because she files her anti-stalking petition. She gets a temporary order against him a few days before that, before she gets served, right? So she wants to say, I didn't know he filed a lawsuit against me. As of the time I filed this anti-stalking temporary order against him because she doesn't want it to look like she's retaliating against him. She doesn't want it to look like she knows that the lawsuit was filed against her by John. And then after that, she goes and gets the temporary restraining order because that would look like she's retaliating against him for filing the lawsuit. That's why she's pushing out the date that she says she was aware that he had filed a lawsuit against her until she was actually served on February 17th, because that's several days after the February 14th ex parte temporary restraining order from her. The problem is, is that we can prove, and I will hear in a second, that she actually knew about this lawsuit that John had filed against her as of around February 9th, February 8th or February 9th. And I'll get to that, and then I'll make a few more comments about it. Okay. I said, in her grievance, Ms. Camp incorrectly states twice in all capital letters that this was a private video, etc. And I said, whatever Ms. Camp's personal opinions are, it wasn't private as of the date it was published at Mormon Discussions, Inc. She says, this was and this is and was a private board meeting between the board of the Open Stories Foundation and myself with claims against my boss, John DeLynn. At the time of the airing of RFM's podcast, it had not been publicly seen by anyone except the people involved in the initial meeting, myself, John DeLynn, and two other board members. Well, it doesn't make a difference if it hadn't seen by anybody else because now it's public. You're playing with the big boys now. And once it's filed in court, it becomes public information. Two days later, I was able to find it and get it put up. So people can see what really happened. Excuse me, is this too terrible a thing that when a person is making accusations against somebody else, of such a defamatory nature, whether they're true or false, it's defamatory, right? But is it too much for people to, to see the actual evidence? There seems to be a tendency on the part of Jen Camp. I'll just go ahead and say this is a bit of commentary on my part. She wants people to believe her. Number one, for her much speaking, because she says the same thing over and over and over and over again. But also without evidence. She doesn't give evidence. What she gives is accusations and she wants to find people who will believe her accusations without requiring her to support those accusations with evidence. Not everybody does that. I think the majority of people are not willing to do that, but there are some people who already dislike John DeLynn who are very happy to adopt and embrace any allegations of impropriety against him, even if there's no evidence. And even if the evidence contradicts those allegations. That's an interesting psychological phenomenon, and it's certainly at play here in some quarters. He says, it was private. It should have stayed private. Well, it was until it got filed in a lawsuit. RFM also did not even have the courtesy of redacting private information about daughters, including one who is a minor. I don't know what information she's talking about. That she takes voice class or that she was trying out for a play that day? My private information and the in location of my parents' home. The location of her parents' home. She said it was in Morgan. Is that a town in Utah? I think that's what she said. Maybe she said Orem. Anyway, I don't, I'm not aware of any address being given in that hour and 45-minute board meeting. But um, I think she mentioned the, the city in which her parents live. 
You see, this is why she doesn't want to go into the facts, because when you go into the facts, it makes her allegations lose all their force. That's the problem. Let me give you this as just a little life lesson, okay? Whenever anybody's making allegations, ask them for the facts that support their allegation, okay? Either they have them or they don't. If they have them, definitely let's take it seriously. Let's go forward. But if you don't have facts to support your allegation, then don't expect me to take it seriously. And if you make allegations that then I find the evidence that contradicts your allegations, then I'm not only going to not believe those allegations, I'm also going to have a hard time believing anything else you allege later on after that. Because you shot your credibility with me. Uh, let's see. RF, okay. This is not reporting as RFM claims. This is harassment, a smear campaign, and harmful to me and my family. All right. Oops, I'm sorry. I did it again. I clicked to another slide when I just meant to scroll down. Uh, she just goes over the stuff about fundraising again, which I've already responded to. And let me see here. Here's another place. I, at the time, knew nothing of their lawsuit placed against me on February 9th. I was not served this lawsuit until February 17th. I received the stocking protection order on February 14th, right? Valentine's Day. That's the stocking protection order, the temporary order. And it was served to, to John DeLynn later on February 16th, 2023 by the sheriff. Okay. Um, see, she's very clear on this now. And this is going to be very helpful, I think, in John's civil case, in OSF civil case against her, is that she's being very clear about this when she can be refuted about this whole timing thing. It was not retaliatory. I didn't go and get this ex-party no contact order against him. It wasn't retaliation because I didn't even know he'd filed a lawsuit against me yet. That's what you keep saying over and over. I didn't know until February 17th when I got served with the lawsuit that he filed the lawsuit against me. And I went and got the no contact order on February 14th, three days earlier, right? Okay. I'm just going to look at this and how far do we have to go through this? Oh my Lord. Are you effing kidding me? Yeah. She wants to go through every single thing. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to put you through this anymore. Let's see. She wants to go through again about uh, the fact that John DeLynn went to court again after the anti-stalking order was dismissed and asked for the judge to award attorney's fees that she had to pay for his attorney's fees and the judge didn't. She wants to use that as a fig leaf. Okay. It doesn't change the fact that she lost, but at least she didn't have to pay for his attorney's fees. That doesn't mean you won suddenly. Okay. She keeps saying the video was private, even though it wasn't. This is stated in the beginning when we talk about this. I'm at the bottom because one of my claims against John DeLynn is him outing my childhood sex abuse without my, within my religion on a live podcast, without my consent or knowledge that this was going to happen. Please read my counterclaims for the evidence that will be placed into court within the case going on now. Once again, that's not going to happen because Judge Fowl said no. Um, 
since they were all private videos, never edited and never shown to anyone publicly. Oh, she's talking about all the different videos that she made when she talked about her child sex abuse and that were ready to be uh, broadcast. Okay, over at Mormon Stories. At least you can look at these yourself if you want to freeze the frame and enlarge it and then read it all for yourself. She says, and most importantly, it is my story to tell when and where I want to, not John DeLynn's and not RFM's. This is me stating my story about what happened to me at OSF and working under John DeLynn to warn other women of the harm and abuse of myself and the pattern of this with at least 19 women, including me. Okay. I think that's pretty much everything of any substance because she just keeps repeating herself here at 33 she says rfm in my opinion and the statement on his own page does not operate as a news agency yeah we've heard this before she finally says my grievance should be taken very seriously and rfm should be held accountable to the fullest disciplinary action of the washington state bar association office of disciplinary council okay so then that's the end of that one thank god that's the end of that one so on august 22nd she sends another email to the bar. I wanted to follow up on the extension and also the counterclaim I spoke of in my last email. I'm still waiting on the extension. The other party has requested again on the counterclaim filed in early July. I have attached the red line amended version of my counterclaim waiting for approval within the counterclaim that begins on page 22. You will see sections that include RFM and the harm and lies he has inflicted upon me and my family during this very difficult time. It's the same thing that she's already gone over multiple times already to the bar association. Again, I want to make sure you understand this is not fully accepted by the court, and I will let you know when it is, because Judge Faust had not allowed yet for it to be filed as a counterclaim. But that is, in my opinion, but this is, in my opinion, the truth of what happened and is happening to me currently. I will be backing it up with evidence in the upcoming trial. Well, we'll all be looking forward to that, since you've got no counterclaims against John DeLynn anymore. Um... RFM's actions are not ethical in any way. They are creating undue abuse and further harm as I fight for justice using correct and legal means. <laughs> like filing my lawsuit in the wrong court system. Thank you for your time in thoroughly looking into this matter. I'm available anytime for a phone call or Zoom with your board. With your board. Okay. All right. So... Oh, hang on a second here. That's the next page. Okay, so that's the last part of that. Let me just clear my throat again, and then I will get on to this part here, because this is going to get really interesting. Here we go. Here's the thing. When Jen Camp says that she did not know about John DeLynn's lawsuit against her until she was served on February 17th, she repeats that over and over and over because she doesn't want to look like she knew about it before she went to court to get the anti-stalking order, the temporary anti-stalking order on Valentine's Day, February 14th. Obviously, she's coming from the point of view that if she knew about the lawsuit that John DeLitt had filed against her before she files for that ex-party temporary order, that would look like she was being retaliatory and using the legal system in order to get back at him for filing a lawsuit against her. This is why, in my opinion, 
she continues to state over and over unequivocally that she did not know about this lawsuit that John Dillon filed against her until she was served with it on February 17th. Now, once again, the lawsuit was filed on February 7th, but it was not served on her until 10 days later on February 17th. In the meantime, on February 14th, she gets that restraining order. Now, the reason this is interesting is because on February 8th, you'll see that what's on the screen now is a screenshot of my Facebook page. And I regularly, when I do uh, podcasts, I'll put them up on my Facebook page so people can know that uh, there's a new one to listen to. And on February 8th, I had obtained a copy of John DeLynn's lawsuit against Jen Camp. I did a recording in which I read the entire lawsuit by John DeLynn against Jen Camp because it had been already filed, remember, on February 7th. This is the following day on February 8th. So I'm releasing this episode and you'll see that it says Radio Free Mormon 266 John DeLynn files countersuit. See, I'm even saying it there, countersuit against Jen Camp, former Open Stories Foundation employee. So you click on that. Oh, and the other thing it says is at the top, it says former Mormon Stories employee Jen Camp went public on January 29th, 2023, about, uh, and then it gets cut off by the screenshot thing, about, uh, oh, the lawsuit she has filed against John DeLynn and the OSF. That was the one filed up in federal court, the wrong court. In late breaking news, John DeLynn and OSF have filed a countersuit against Jen Camp. Okay, so listen to hear more. I read the whole thing. This is on February 8th, which is the day after it was filed. And it's still before Jen Camp goes to court to get her temporary stalking protection order against John DeLynn. Now, if Jen Camp had listened or was aware of the fact that I had published this podcast, she would have known that John DeLynn and OSF had filed a countersuit against her before she was served on February 27th or excuse me, on February 17th, that's the date she was served. Strangely enough, guess who shows up in the comments section of this very post of me reading the lawsuit? Oh, wait a second, it's Jen Camp. <laughs> so in this very same comment section of the post where I put the information that John DeLynn and OSF have filed a countersuit against her in late breaking news, in the post that links to my podcast where I read the whole damn thing verbatim, Jen Camp shows up to make some comments. And what she says is, I challenged John DeLynn to a polygraph test. And I had said, does that mean you are willing to take one as well? And she had said, yes, 100%. And then I had said, uh, and then there's a few other people making comments. You can look at those as well. The main thing that's important is that Jen Camp shows up in the comments section, which tells me that she did know that John DeLynn and OSF had filed a, a lawsuit against her as of the time she's making these comments, which would have been either February 8th or at the latest February 9th. That's my recollection. It's not like there was comments being made 10 days later about this by Jen Camp. So what this ends up doing is showing the extreme likelihood that if Jen Camp is making comments on my Facebook page where I am announcing the lawsuit that John DeLynn and OSF had just filed against her, then that probably means that she knows that John DeLynn and OSF had filed a lawsuit against her. 
as of the date she's making the comment, which is February 8th when I put it up initially, maybe February 9th, possibly February 10th, I would assume, at the latest that she's making those comments. So what that means is that she did know the lawsuit had been filed against her before she was served. And the fact that she knew that it was uh, filed against her, not only before it was served, but also before she went to court to get the anti-stalking order. Now, a person could look at that, which are the facts. She did know about the lawsuit before she was served. She did know about the lawsuit before she went and got the stalking, the anti-stalking order against John DeLynn. A person could look at that and say, that looks like that might be retaliatory. But, you know, maybe not. Maybe she had some good reason to do it. I don't know. But from my point of view, when a person in these circumstances and with these facts who does know, as I'm just showing you here on the screen, who does know about the existence of this lawsuit against her before she goes and gets the anti-stalking temporary order and before she served, a person who's trying to say over and over again, unequivocally, that she didn't know about the lawsuit until, after, until she got served, which is after she got the temporary order, even though we've given you the evidence that she knew about it before, a person who's going to insist on that is now tacitly to me admitting that it was retaliatory she knew about the lawsuit before she went to court to get her anti-stalking temporary order okay that much is clear to me she knew about it but so why is she insisting she didn't know about it before then and she only knew about it when she was served on february 17th after she went to court the answer to that would reasonably be because she doesn't want it to look like it was retaliatory when she knew about the lawsuit before she went to court for the temporary order because it was retaliatory. Okay, so that is just about all I have here. I think that, oh no, no, there is an end to the story because on September 5th, without anything else for me and having looked at all of this information, by the way, these two things that I I just went through from my Facebook page. These are not part of the grievance. I just wanted to share it there with you because I thought it was very interesting and revealing. I did get a letter from the Washington State Bar Association, September 5th, 2023, and she got a copy as well. It says this, Dear Jennifer Camp, the Office of Disciplinary Counsel is authorized to investigate a grievance against a lawyer to determine whether the lawyer's conduct should have an impact on the lawyer's license to practice law. Under, as opposed to making them take down, I don't know, podcasts or writing you an apology. Under the Washington Supreme Court's rules for enforcement of lawyer conduct, a lawyer may be disciplined only upon a showing by a clear preponderance of the evidence that the lawyer violated the Washington Supreme Court's rules of professional conduct. This standard of proof is more stringent than the standard applied in civil cases. We reviewed the information you provided in your July 3rd, 2023 grievance, as well as your July 18th, 2023 additional information against lawyer RFM. Along, oh my gosh, I guess, <laughs> oh well, I am not going to go back and re-record this. This is a problem when you uh, redact things, that sometimes you, you miss things. Anyway, who the hell cares at this point? Where are we? Um, 
along with the response and your August 7th, 10th, and 22nd, 2023 comments, and considered whether there would be sufficient evidence upon which to base a disciplinary proceeding. Okay, so they're saying the information that they've reviewed in order to make their determination. In your grievance, you allege that blank, a lawyer who is a witness for the opposing party, which I'm not, posted a private video about you, your children, and other individuals to RFM's YouTube channel. This video includes a discussion about sexual misconduct. You also asserted that blank, that RFM is fundraising off the private video. Additionally, you provided screenshots that appear to show RFM discussing your situation publicly. That's the Reddit post. RFM responded that this grievance does not relate to the practice of law and that the radio station where he works, Radio Free Mormon, is protected by the freedom of speech and freedom of the press according, accorded by the First Amendment. RFM provided some background on this matter, asserting that you used to work at the station. RFM said that you and the radio station's board of directors are engaged in litigation. See, they're getting a little bit confused, but I, can you blame them? RFM also asserted that you have your own podcast where you spoke about being the victim of sexual abuse. RFM further included support, supporting documentation that the trial court has not found that the radio station or its employees have engaged in misconduct. In your comments, you allege that RFM broadcasted a court hearing over your objection. You also said that RFM lied about numerous events. You further said that the litigation remains ongoing and RFM's conduct is unethical. Over and over again, she said that. As an initial matter, the First Amendment does provide some protections for lawyers from disciplinary actions based on protected activity. And then they cite a couple of cases. That said, even outside the courtroom, lawyers in pending cases are subject to ethical restrictions on speech to which an ordinary citizen would not be. We also note that the uh, that lawyers' private conduct unrelated to the practice of law may render them subject to discipline. Yeah, if you rob a bank, you might get disbarred. Nevertheless, while some criminal or civil conduct by a lawyer may violate the RPC, that's Rules of Professional Conduct, on the available information, we do not believe, ah, uh, there we go, we do not believe that we could establish by a clear preponderance of the evidence that RFM violated the RPC or that a court has found any misconduct. We do not believe there is sufficient evidence to warrant further disciplinary action. Therefore, we are dismissing your grievance under ELC 5.7a. Yay! If you do not mail or deliver to us a written request for a review of this dismissal within 45 days of the date of this letter, the decision to dismiss your grievance will be final. Should there be a judicial finding of misconduct by this lawyer, a judicial finding, in other words, in some other case that's not even existing, where a judge is going to find that I committed misconduct, you may request that we reopen this matter. Dismissal of a grievance constitutes neither approval nor disapproval of the conduct involved and should not be taken as the position of the Office of Disciplinary Counsel with respect to any other matter. And I expect that that boilerplate last sentence will be used as some kind of new fig leaf for Jen when she talks about this. Sincerely, Courtney Lewis, Disciplinary Counsel Intake. So it didn't even get past intake. Wasn't even the subject of an investigation. Okay, just a preliminary response and it's out the window. Grievance dismissed. Sorry, Jen. Okay, and I think that is the end. Yep, that's the end of the show. So let me come back on. <clears throat> see if I can do this. Let me come back on full screen. And the sun is much lower in the horizon now than it was when I began this podcast this morning. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening to my very, very first video podcast titled Jen Camp Tries to Get RFM Disbarred and the final 
answer to that question is she tried, but she failed. She couldn't do it. Didn't happen. There was nothing I did that was unethical. Nothing I did that was lying about her. Nothing I did that was a smear campaign. And I don't know, maybe she'll consider this a continued part of the smear campaign that I am revealing the fact that she filed a bar complaint against me and what happened in the back and forth and what I said and what she said with a little bit of commentary on this one. This one, I've been a little bit less journalistic and just reporting facts. I have put in a little bit more commentary than I usually do, but maybe that's because it involves me and because I have a little information I thought you might find interesting about the subject. I hope you like what you hear here at Radio Free Mormon. If you come this far, then the odds are that you do. And I want to thank all of my wonderful listeners who have made donations to the show, who are weekly, or excuse me, I should say monthly donors to the show. Thank you so much for all your donations. I appreciate it so much. Your contributions and your donations are what keep Radio Free Mormon broadcasting behind enemy lines. Until next week, this is Radio Free Mormon. Or I should say until next time. I don't want to pin myself down to a week. Okay, see, if I were doing this in audio, that's what I would have edited out and you would have heard this much cleaner. This is going to be a lot messier from, from here on out. So until next time, this is Radio Free Mormon signing off the air. Apparently, you have to click in recording twice to make it happen. Okay.